And so if you want this job, you're going to report to this person or you're going to report to this role on the role chart. You're going to be responsible for these things and you're going to engage with accountability in this way. And so it's not really any reflection of them. We're just saying the person who has this job does these things. Do you want this job? That removes ego. And as a result, that also removes drama. And that's the final one. Disorder often devolves into drama. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And we're on the closing episode of our series on the fundamentals for healthy growth. And these fundamentals really represent the essential structure necessary to keep you where your growth is taking you. So often we see that business owners experience business growth, and that's great for them and great for their team, all the way up into the point where they collide with one really depressing reality. And that's that as their business is growing so something else is growing proportional to it. And that's their stress level and the stress of their team. And everyone's running around like their hair's on fire and everyone's frazzled and people start getting at each other's throats and people don't know who does what or what's supposed to be accomplished. And things become remarkably unclear, outrageously complex, incredibly confusing, and therefore wildly frustrating and exhausting. And we have a phrase that describes what that is. That is toxic growth. The idea here is that just because you're growing doesn't mean you're living. Certainly, just because you're growing doesn't mean that you're healthy. Health and growth are two radically different things. And it's possible to practice healthy growth. Just the thing that we know to be true is that it never occurs accidentally. It always occurs because a leader, and by extension, their team, decided to exercise outrageous, uncommon, unprecedented intentionality. And what's so cool is that as we've kind of been sharing that message, we've coincided with people that say, okay, I want to practice healthy growth. How do I do it? And that's what the fundamentals represent. We spent so much time studying, observing, practicing, looking into what does it look like to practice healthy growth and then simplifying and distilling it into a proven path. And that proven path is the fundamentals for healthy growth. There's 12 of them. And thus far, we've walked through fundamentals one through seven. So let's do a high level overview of what we've already discussed personal growth plan for the leader. Because if you want to put your business in order, you got to start by putting yourself in order. Leader success statements. Because if you want to hold accountable, it's so crucial that you are first held accountable. And that means that you need to know what a CEO actually does. Next, we're going to establish our leadership team meeting because Proverbs says, in the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. Fundamental number four is your aspirational mission. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else for out of it flows everything you do. And in so many ways, your mission, your why is how you rally the team in the building around why they serve people outside of the building. Fundamental number five is your core values. We said that that is advanced decision-making. It's making a decision at the highest conceptual plane that is going to make thousands of decisions for you moving forward. Next, you're going to focus on your product guide. This really represents your answer to the question, what does your business do? And it can be used to inform your team's word of mouth strategy as it relates to marketing and sales. 
And then finally, up to this point, we've discussed the seventh fundamental, which is financial health metrics and rhythms. And what this looks like is making sure that you create clarity and communication so that you and your team experience peace as it relates to the organization's finances. There is no reason for you and your organization to be blindsided by something and to absolutely have your business wrecked because you didn't know your numbers. And yes, it can be something that's hard and uncomfortable for certain personality types, but it is a responsibility for leadership. And if we do the hard work to simplify and focus on it, it's something that will be wildly rewarding and fruitful moving forward because it represents good stewardship. And so it's in that context that today we're going to focus on fundamentals eight through 12. Let's start with fundamental eight. This is your organization's role chart. Now, what we often find whenever we coincide with businesses, we'll ask them, do you have a role chart? And they'll say, yeah, I've got an org chart. It's right here. And we say, okay, pause for a second. We didn't say, do you have an org chart? We said, do you have a role chart? And what I want you to understand is that both are helpful and both are necessary. They're just two different things. So what is an org chart, first of all? Well, an org chart is a current snapshot of the people in the organization, their primary title, and the organization's reporting structure. So this is likely going to look like what you already have. It's going to look like a chart with maybe, let's say, let's pretend that you've got a team of 10 right now, and it's going to have 10 boxes on it. It's going to have each of those people's names and the primary title that they've been given in. And it's going to be really easy to read in terms of who reports to who. My hope is that you already have that. If you don't have that, then that would be a wise thing to create as well. But where we want to go from there is we want to also create your organization's role chart. What is a role chart? A role chart is a picture of how an organization's responsibilities will be properly distributed into clarified roles. The role chart helps ensure that you structure the business around what is best rather than what is available. So let's break this down real quick. Let's go back to our example. Pretend you've got an organization of 10 people. Obviously, we already said your organization's org chart is going to have 10 boxes on it to represent the 10 people that are on board right now and the spots that they're filling. What is a role chart going to be? A role chart is going to be a snapshot of the roles or the different hats that are being played in your business right now. What are the jobs that are being done as it's clarified into specific roles? And then within those, we're going to add names to who's doing that role right now. And so you may have an organization of 10 people and you may have 25 boxes onto your organization's role chart. This is so crucial for a couple of reasons. It's gonna give you visibility into who's responsible for what right now Because otherwise, you're constantly going to find yourself saying, okay, well, you're wearing multiple hats right now, or I'm wearing multiple hats right now, but we will have never clarified what those hats actually are. So we're going to actually clarify what are the hats we're wearing and what hats do each of these individual tasks and responsibilities fall under. But then this is so valuable and this is so wildly helpful. I don't know why they don't teach this in business school. It's so wildly helpful because it's going to inform you on the process through which you will hire people moving forward. 
your role chart really represents your strategic plan as it relates to hiring and talent development. Because what your role chart shows you is the boxes that you're going to have to delegate and hire out for people to go from being generalists, meaning they're doing a bunch of things, to specialists. And that's what effective, healthy business growth always does. It always gets people focused more and more on the things that they are uniquely competent in, proficient in, and passionate about. And if they're doing a bunch of different roles right now, it's really helpful to clarify, okay, well, what are the roles you're doing? What is the role we want you to do? And then we can start to have conversations and make decisions about how we get from here to there. I just want to go over some guiding principles for the role charts that really inform why this fundamental is so important. Number one, healthy accountability never occurs accidentally. It always occurs intentionally. There's a lot of organizations that exercise accountability, and the accountability that they're exercising, I would say, is toxic. And that's because there is a massive lack of clarity on who reports to who, on what who is responsible for what, and on ultimately how the organization is moving forward with regard to roles and people and responsibility. And so what we need to recognize is that if we're going to practice healthy growth, a key piece of that is healthy accountability. And healthy accountability starts with a healthy structure, and that's what the role chart does. Next, healthy businesses aren't built around specific people. They are built around specific roles. This is really, really hard for creative, visionary leaders to wrap their head around. And I'll tell you, I often struggle with this one still today, but principally, I know that it's right. Healthy businesses don't build around specific people. Why is that the case? Well, because if you're building your business around specific people and you're creating roles based on the people that are available to you or based on personalities that you really like or you meet people that are looking for a job and you say, we're going to hire you and we're going to create a role around you. Well, that's really not healthy for the business or for that individual why is that the case? Well, because if you're just building around the person, then basically your job description is just be yourself and just do what you do, right? And just go be you. And that's kind of like your job description. Now you may add more details to it, but really it's just like, oh man, just bring all of your personality and force and quirkiness and passion and all of that to this business and we'll figure out a role later on. And and that's not ideal, right? Because that lacks a lot of clarity and it lacks any structure or system for accountability, both for that individual, but also for anyone else. But here's the deal, that can work for a while. Here's where it gets really unhealthy is when that person leaves or is forced to exit, right? So maybe they leave for another opportunity or because they don't like it there anymore or any number of issues could come up. Or maybe they're forced to exit because maybe something's going on with their family or maybe they're injured or maybe they retire and and they want to stop working, right? So, So they're exiting the business. What do you do then? You've now built an entire role around their personality and now their personality is gone. So what are you gonna do? If we want our organizations to be healthy, we need to not build them around personalities. We need to build them around roles. And that really connects to our next principle. And this principle really reinforces all of this. Depersonalizing structure helps ensure that ego doesn't interfere with effectiveness. So often, 
we see that people are personally affected by job performance reviews, by who reports to who, by what they're being asked to do or what they're being held accountable to. That can become a really personal thing for people and because it attacks their ego. Right. What's so good about this is we get to remove their ego from it because we're removing them from it. And we just say the person who has this job does these things. And so if you want this job, you're going to report to this person or you're going to report to this role on the role chart. You're going to be responsible for these things and you're going to engage with accountability in this way. And so it's not really any reflection of them. We're just saying the person who has this job does these things. Do you want this job? That removes ego. And as a result, that also removes drama. And that's the final one. Disorder often devolves into drama. So often when teams don't have a role chart and don't have a system for structured accountability and how responsibility is being distributed across multiple roles, well, then that looks like disorganization. It looks like ambiguity and looks like a lack of clarity. That often devolves into gossip, infighting, backbiting, and unhealthy competition. Politics, turf wars, and silos, I think, is the language that Patrick Lencioni would. Politics, turf wars, and silos, I think, is the language that Patrick Lencioni uses. And that's exactly what happens. And so often we think that's a people problem, and in reality, that's a disorganization problem. And the minute you create structure and organization, People stop becoming insecure, paranoid, and fearful. They start to find a level of safety in the organization. And then everyone can get along to go along. And it's really, really good. Final thing I want to say on this, you may be listening to this and being like, oh gosh, I'm now realizing we did some stuff wrong. We've worked with a bunch of organizations in the past that specifically when we coincide with them and they watch the role chart lesson and then they have a conversation with their one-on-one coach, the conversation looks a lot like, holy cow, I've been building my business around people. What do I do? There's a process for that, right? And that process looks a lot like you creating the role chart agnostic of the people you have on board. But then oftentimes what you'll realize is, oh, actually the people that we have on board, especially if they're good and we actually want them here, they're actually going to be delighted in the fact that we now have clear roles and we're going to get really specific of, hey, we're going to plug you into these places and we're going to stop building this around you. We think a lot of times that's going to offend people or that's going to step on people's toes. With the right people, my experience is they get that clarity and they say, oh my gosh, thank goodness. Because I was starting to feel like this whole thing was running on my personality and my passion and I didn't have a ton of clarity on what I was actually being held accountable to. People respond so positively to clarity if you do it in a way that's consistent and value-based. So fundamental number seven is your organization's role chart. And once you create that, that gives you the ability to create your leadership team success statements. Now, we already covered this in fundamental two with regard to your success statements. And we said that success statements are three to five statements that define what winning looks like in an individual's role. Now, obviously, our goal and For the teams that we work with that really thrive and really flourish and really become wildly efficient and effective, success statements are a tool that are cascaded into every level of the business. But how do you start doing that? Well, so often we think, okay, I'm the leader, I'm the CEO, I need to work with everyone to write their success statements. That's not how leadership works, right? The goal is not to give people fish. The goal is to teach people how to fish. And so who should you start with? Your sphere of influence. And so I want you to look at the leaders that report to you 
And based on your role chart, that could be anywhere from one upwards to six or seven people. And I want you to work with them on two things. Number one, writing their success statements for their role. This is really crucial. You're not writing success statements for everything they do because they're probably wearing multiple hats, right? But we already talked about this with role chart. You're writing success statements for their primary role, specifically on the leadership team. We're going to write the three to five statements that define what winning looks like. And then from there, the second thing that you're going to do is you're going to make sure that they understand how to teach others to create success statements. So that's two pieces, right? You're going to help them create their success statements, but then you're going to go one step forward and you're going to equip them to lead others in the creation of success statements. And what you're going to create here as a cascading effect, if you actually do this right, it takes time. But if you do this right, you're going to create a cascading effect where you start to see structure and clarity and therefore accountability and action ripple into your organization as light bulbs start to go off and people start to understand, okay, we're not going to be task-based. We're going to be results-based. Okay, we're going to start introducing accountability in a way that's results-oriented and rhythmic and How do people best understand things? They experience it. And so you're going to start with your leadership team, and then you're going to make sure they have the tools they need to transfer these things to others. The biggest two words that I want you to remember as it relates to this is role clarity. It is wild to me how many teams I could walk into today and I could go into the leadership team and I could say, what are the three to five areas that you need to be winning in order to be successful in your role? And I'd get a wide variety of different answers that are inconsistent and even inaccurate. And that just tells me, holy cow, you are leaving so much opportunity on the table. And so making sure that everyone on your leadership team has a clear answer to that question, and then they have the ability to help their direct reports find their answer to that question, oh my gosh, Clarity creates action is what our coach Kyle Gimmer always says. And what we see is that when you do the hard, certain leadership work of documenting this clarity and creating success statements and teaching people how they can help others create success statements, it's wild how things start to get more efficient and more effective. And that actually translates directly into the next fundamental as well, because the next fundamental is leadership team one-on-one meetings. So now that your leadership team has success statements, there's, these are the three to five areas that define what winning looks like in their role. Well, now we need to have a rhythm for accountability around those success statements. And so what this looks like is a one-on-one meeting rhythm. And what we want to make sure we have within this one-on-one re- meeting rhythm to keep it from becoming complacent and stagnant and ineffective and weak is we want to make sure we have structure. And so the way we teach all of our one-on-one customers to structure their one-on-one meetings is start just with some relational conversation and then jump into the red, yellow, greening of the, the individual success statements. And what we need to remember here is that we're depersonalizing accountability. We already talked about that in this episode. And so we're not red, yellow, greening the person. We're red, yellow, greening the result. 
And we've got a dashboard that we just walk through and we red, yellow, green. How are you doing in these areas that we said matter most? And what's so cool is it gives us the ability to look at each of these areas that matter most and say, oh man, I, I think I'm yellow. And, and the leader may say, oh, I agree with you. Or I actually think you're green and here's why I think. Or man, you're red. Like, what do we need to do to move to yellow? Or what do we need to do to move from yellow to green? Because green is consistently true. Yellow is inconsistently true. Red is that's not true. And so we're going to take this success statement and then we're going to red, yellow, green it. So we've got a standard. We've got an evaluation of that standard. And then we get to have a vibrant, healthy discussion about, okay, let's put that result on the table and how do we improve the result? And so we're going to start with the red, yellow, greening of their success statements. And specifically, the way that we train this within the fundamental lesson is that they are going to red, yellow, green their success statements. And we're not moving forward until we have alignment. From there, we're going to red, yellow, green the core values. And here's the deal. What we're not looking for here is like, give me proof that this core value is consistently true. The goal here is like, man, I trust you. We trust each other. Like our goal here is just to say, how are we doing with regard to these things that we say matter? And so we're going to have a conversation about this. And sometimes your answer to how you're doing in the core value might feel a little bit like a feeling. And a feeling isn't everything, obviously, but it's also not nothing. And it's really crucial just for us to put our eyes on the core value and at the very least remember, hey, this really matters. And then the leader can ask a question like, hey, do you have some examples of how you live this out or how you've seen this play out for you over the course of the past few weeks since we last met? Such a powerful conversation. And then finally, the final piece of the one-on-one -on -one meeting is just what do you want to talk about? Are there things specific to your role or to what you're working on or your future right now that it would be helpful to discuss? And that's when you get to really engage. And, and especially as you start to get the structure in place um, and you start to get really habitual with it and automatized with it, you get to engage in the, the really fun leadership stuff, which is developing people. And a large portion of your one-on-one -on -one meeting starts to look less like an accountability meeting. We still do that, right? But it looks more like a coaching conversation. And you start to get into personal growth, leadership growth, and business growth, and career growth of people. And that's where, as an impact-driven leader, you should just get so excited because it's like, man, we did what we have to do. And because we did what we have to do, especially with our star performers, now we get to do what we want to do. And, and man, the sky is the limit with regard to what we could talk about here. And so one of the things I'm really passionate about teaching our one-on-one -on -one customers and consistently talking about on this podcast, and we'll continue to have more content like this, is like once you've got people that are high performers, so often we under-leverage and under-resource those people. What does it look like to have inspiring, developmental, growth-oriented coaching conversations with those people? But that only occurs in the context of a regularly recurring one-on-one -on -one meeting where we're focusing on what we have to focus on, and out of that, we get to focus what we want to focus on. The next fundamental is team communication. So now that we're creating all of this structure, mission, values, role charts, financial health metrics and rhythms, leadership team success statements, leadership team one-on-one -on -one meetings, well, it's now time to make sure that we've got a consistent rhythm for team meetings. And not just that we have a consistent rhythm, it's that we have a consistent structure. Now, we work with a lot of organizations that are spread all over the country that have hundreds of team members. And if that's the case, it may not be viable for you to get in the same room once a month or certainly once a week or something like that. But that doesn't mean you can't have a team communication rhythm. We've talked a lot about Sargent on this podcast and how we get to do a lot of work with Herb within the Path Road community. And one of the things that I admire most about that organization is the fact that they're spread 
across multiple states. They've got people doing a wide variety of different things that are very busy. They've got guys that are out on job sites all day. So it's not like they can sit in for a Zoom meeting. That would be entirely impractical. But they didn't take all of those things as reasons not to have a rhythm for team communication. They created a podcast. And that podcast, like lots of people in the business listen to that podcast. And they create really compelling content to make sure everyone in the team is hearing the values, hearing the mission, hearing what's going on in different parts of the company. And that's how they keep that culture unified. And that's so crucial because unity does not happen accidentally. Unity is an intentional act. And if we leave it to its own devices, atrophy and disunity will occur in our team. And so therefore, we have to constantly be sowing seeds of unity. And the best way to do that is ongoing, continuous communication and specifically communication about what we are for. And what's so neat is within the fundamentals, we've already created so many of the things that we're for in our mission statement and our core values and what success looks like in our product guide. And so in so many ways, this is just a rhythm to make sure everyone's aware of what matters most in the organization. And so the success statements associated with the team communication fundamental are the business has a consistent method and rhythm for full team communication. The full team communication aligns team members around the mission, values, and vision of the organization, and the team's culture and morale is stronger and more unified after the team meeting. Here's what I often see that to be the case is a lot of times, even if you have 20, 25 people, but especially if you have 100, 200, 300 people, a team meeting where everyone's in the same place, whether it's a Zoom call or physically in the same place, that's like a really expensive meeting. And leaders often go wrong in that they present the wrong things in that meeting. And what are the wrong things to present? Well, the wrong things to present are things that won't create a lasting and meaningful return on the time. And so if you're going to get everyone together for an hour, you've got to ask yourself kind of the creative question, how do we use this hour in which the benefit would be greater than the cost? Because the cost is a lot. This is the difference between spending that time and investing that time. We want to invest the time, meaning we're going to invest with the expectation of an exponential return. What do you focus on? Well, you want to focus on the information, but more than that, the inspiration that if it's done effectively, it will make everyone just 1% better. Because if you can take a 25-person team and in one hour make everyone 1% better and do that every single week, oh my gosh, that meeting has more than paid for itself. But then in reality, if you get really good at this, you can have a meeting that makes people 10% better, 10% more engaged, 10% more aware, 10% more empathetic to the customer, 10% more unified. Oh my gosh, if you could make your team 10% more of all of those things once a week, this meeting more than pays for itself. So you got to focus on the high leverage, high return items that are actually going to have that ability and everything else can be communicated in a different way. The final fundamental is your organization's vision charter. Now, people often ask us, okay, well, why did you wait so long for vision? Now, y'all just did a whole series on the podcast related to how important vision is. And that's a question that we asked ourselves whenever we were creating the fundamentals as well. And we really said, okay, well, why did we wait so long? Why did we put vision charter at the very end? And why do we think that that's right? Well, because when we coincide with people one-on-one, what we talk with them about is, man, this structure is what you want for your business if you want to practice healthy growth. So in so many ways, the first 11 fundamentals 
represent your vision, right? This is what we're chasing. This is where we're going. And it is hard work to get all of these structures in place. But these structures represent the things you have to do if you want to practice healthy growth. Now, here's what's so cool. If you actually become all green on all 11 fundamentals, if you do what you have to do, if you create a well-oiled machine, if you operationalize and create success statements, and in that you establish role clarity and you've got mission values and you've got rhythms for communicating about these things, and you make sure your financial metrics and rhythms are strong and sound and healthy, if you do all those things that you have to do, you know what's going to become wildly available to you? all the things that you want to do. And now you're not asking questions like, how do we survive? Or what do we just need to do next? Or how do we get by? Or how do we make payroll? Or certainly like, how do we just keep this thing moving forward? Those are all really poor questions because they create really poor answers, right? It's just like, okay, well, I just have to do these things, right? It's okay to start with those questions. And in so many ways, those questions informed the fundamentals. What really sucks is to stay with those questions and to stall out and get stuck and become complacent and never move past them. What's so cool is that there are answers to those questions. There are systemized structures you can put in place and they are the 11 first fundamentals. These are the things you have to do if you want to practice healthy growth. And if you do those things, all the things that you want to do become wildly available. It's so cool the way that this works, that man, if you can exercise the discipline and the commitment and the consistency to put this infrastructure in place, then the dreams and goals that you have with regard to the reach of your business, the depth of your business, the impact that your business is going to have on its community, the way that you're going to be able to develop team members, not just as employees, but develop them as people, the profitability of the business and the way that that can bless you, the way that can bless your family, the way that can bless your team members and their team members' families, like all of these things become wildly available the minute you get this structure in place. But so many people, they say, oh, I want what I want before I do what I have to do. That's out of order. You can't do it that way. It doesn't work that way. Because what you'll find is you'll go pursue what you want to do and you'll start trying to create impact or you'll start trying to create more profitability or you'll start trying to create a, a life development program for your team members. But then that stuff will never be able to be excellent because you are constantly sucked back into the fires associated with not having the proper foundation in place. Do you have the structure to keep you where your business takes you? Because if you create that structure, and if you truly get green on all of these 11 fundamentals, then it's some of my favorite coaching conversations we get to have within Path Growth. We get to ask the question, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go next? What, what would just make this business a grand slam over the course of the next three to five years? What's the impact you want to make? How do you want to be generous? How do you want to use this business to bless your family, your team members, your, your team members' families and the community? All of those questions become an option the minute you get this structure in place. And that all goes into a vision charter that represents a three to five year vision for the business, for where the business is going qualitatively and quantitatively. And if you want more information on vision and the way we think about vision, obviously the whole series that we did on that before this fundamental series is on the topic of vision and we'll dive deeper into those questions. But what I want you to really hear is that 
if you are interested in practicing healthy growth, meaning you want to grow your business, but you want to do it in a way that's healthy, meaning that as you grow your business, you are actually stepping into more of who you're created to be and your team is stepping into more of who they're created to be. If you want to do that, what's so cool is that's possible. And I want you to hear that. And not only do I want you to hear that, I want you to believe that. I want you to believe that healthy growth is possible, not just for other businesses, not just for other people. Healthy growth is possible for you. And not only is it possible, there's a proven path. We didn't just like make this stuff up and write it down and say, oh my gosh, we've came up with this thing and we called it the fundamentals. There's a lot of content out there where people do that. And I just don't think that's actually very helpful. Like these are the things that we studied, we observed and we learned about for years. And it was the best of what we learned that we then applied to our business. Like nothing I've said in these podcasts is things that we don't do, right? Like we did it because we said, that's the most effective way to practice healthy growth. And then in the process of doing it ourselves, we were able to distill and simplify and isolate. Okay, well, what are the steps we're actually taking here? And then we were able to take those steps and teach it to other people. And we saw, oh my gosh, we can teach people how to grow their business and reduce their stress. We can teach people how to practice healthy growth. And then we packaged it into what is called the 12 Fundamentals for Healthy Growth. If you're an impact-driven leader who's interested in walking that path and serious about doing the hard work to introduce that structure, what I would tell you is that the best way to do that without a shadow of a doubt is to work with one of our one-on-one coaches. All of our coaches are leaders who I deeply respect who have owned or run a business, and they've got some leadership chops. Not only do they have leadership chops, they have been put through the ringer in terms of being able to teach and equip business owners around the country how to take these fundamentals and install them and implement them with their team into their business. And man, our one-on-one coaching team has an incredible track record right now of helping people get real results. If that's something that you're serious about and you're interested in, we'd love to talk to you about how we could potentially serve you and work with you in a one-on-one coaching capacity. And the link is in the show notes if you want more information on the perspective, account accountability and direction that one-on-one coaching at Path for Growth provides. Y'all know this, we're rooting for you, we're praying for you. Remember, my strength is not for me, your strength is not for you, our strength is for service. Let's go, let's go, let's go.